Welcome to the Jada Edwards podcast. This is a very special episode. I got to have a conversation with our young adults from our church about father wounds. You don't want to miss this. It's the last episode of season three. So make sure you share, subscribe, and maybe get caught up on our previous podcast. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to season three of the Jada Edwards podcast. You'll get a little bit of Bible teaching, some great stories, and some great interviews along the way. All right, so today we're going to be talking about a topic that's very timely, being that Father's Day is coming up. And we are talking about the importance of fatherhood, the impact of fatherhood in our lives, and really going deep into addressing father wounds, which I know a lot of us have. So, Jada, the expert at all things God to me. (laughs) (laughs) Not all things God. Right. Yeah. What are your thoughts about the importance of fatherhood? Like, what role do fathers play in our lives? Uh, Yeah, that's such a loaded question. Um, I think for a lot of us, we have just such a spectrum of experiences when it comes to fathers. Um, But the truth is, like, every father, because he's human, is going to leave some kind of a wound. And um, my dad was in the home and relatively present, worked a lot, but made sure we were in church and held us to some level of a standard. Uh, But you may have grown up with a present father, an absent father, an apathetic father, an angry father, a performance-based father. I mean, so many things can happen on that spectrum. But the reason it becomes important, uh, not because fathers are more important than mothers, um, but they have very different roles. So both roles equally important, but they're just unique in their function, which means they can leave different wounds. And so if you think about, um, okay, y'all humor me for a second. So if you think about just scripture, because I really believe that the answer to every life question is in scripture. And so if you think about how the Bible um, presents the culture of Israel, that entire culture was very patriarchal. So everything was driven by the father, the head of the father. The father's role was provision and protection, safety, direction. He was the pastor, the spiritual guide. And so for God to introduce himself through those people and that culture is really significant. And in the Old Testament, obviously you see lots of mentions of earthly fathers. A few times the Lord tells Israel, I am your father. Um, And in the New Testament, it's even clearer. Like this is God um, emulating kind of the perfect idea of what a patriarch looks like. And so when you see like these glimpses, if you know the story of Ruth and Boaz being called a kinsman redeemer, like that was the whole thing with the patriarchy, right? Right now, our culture has twisted it. So we like down with the patriarchy, but we don't know what we're saying. (laughs) So you need that. And so it's that father, his role was to protect, create a safe place even redeemed to the point of sacrifice. And so if anybody in the immediate family needed someone, even an in-law, like Ruth, she wasn't even blood. You know, she's like a play cousin. He came over on the scene and Naomi was like, can you cover her? He was like, cool, bring on in, you know. And so their job was to cover everybody and like you to make sure that the family was covered. The way they lived was very communal. The, the clan the clan style tribal living was based on the various patriarchs of, of a particular family. And so the role was very significant. And so before it got all distorted and jacked up, like there was an image that God was painting for us. And then here comes Jesus on the scene and Jesus is 
obviously Messiah and Savior and all these things. But then he kind of messes people's mindset up a little bit because he's like, I'm Jesus, but I'm not the Father. I'm equal to the Father, but I'm not the Father. Because God is, like, super intentional about making sure that Father role is still very distinct. Um, And that creates a lot of pain for us, right? Most of us are way more comfortable with Jesus than we are with God. We're just like, oh, the Father, yeah. But Jesus, yes, all day long, T-shirts. Ain't nobody walking around with T-shirts talking about I love the Father, the Heavenly Father. <laughs> they like, Jesus is dope. Like, so, you know, yeah, like, God is dope, but Father, eh, because that has a lot of connotations for us. And so, but God is intentional. And so he, he's like, I'm not, we're three persons, and we could all just be God one, God two, and God three, but we're not. There's Father, there's Son, and there's Spirit, because he has redeemed the patriarchy. He has reestablished his original intention. And so God is like redeeming fatherhood throughout the generations. Um, he even says, I actually have a scripture then, in Malachi, I know y'all be in Malachi. Um, in Malachi, when he says, in Malachi 4, 5, and 6, when God is prophesying about how he's going to repair generations. He says, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day that the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. He is basically saying that fathers and children have to be reconciled because that's the health of the society that I want to build. And so when everything is redeemed and everything is right, one of my priorities, thus says the Lord, is the restoration of fathers and their children. And so when you see our culture trying to tear that down, and we, call, we, we do it in the name of women's empowerment. So it's a very subtle movement. It's a subtle, secular, feministic movement that says, in order for women to have power, men must be diminished. How do I diminish the father role? The, the only thing that's funny on TV is if the father is someone who gets run over and he's kind of self-deprecating and the mother runs the household, et cetera, et cetera, because we have not seen healthy patriarchy. And so what we have not seen in healthy ways, we continue to distort. So I think the father wound is very important for us personally because it will ultimately affect how we relate to God. And if you keep trying to skip over the Trinity and be like, I want Jesus, he got the cross going on, I want the spirits I can lay out, I don't fool with the Father, it is going to jack up your theology and you won't really see power in your life because it doesn't work that way. Jesus says, I only come on the authority of the Father. Everything I do is to glorify the Father, everything. And so fathers have a really powerful role and wherever they fail, that is not a failure of God, that's a failure of man. And God has come back in to speak into that failure and show what's in perfection, what fatherhood should look like. And so the wound is something we really have to deal with because we don't realize that we've made life adjustments based on that and how we interact with God. So it's, it's really a big issue. It's bigger than just, I forgive my dad. Like it's a big thing because it has a ripple effect on our relationship with the Lord. So when you talk about the distortion, because I know in my life, my dad is in and out of my life. And so I have a distorted view towards men or towards fathers in general to where it's like, yes, I can rely on you a little bit, but I need to protect myself. I need to have a plan B because I can't rely on you. So how do you not take that earthly father experience and distort your view of God as father? Because your father should be the first example of that. Yeah, they really should be. And so I think the first thing, when when people fail in um, a familial or friendship role, whatever it might be, mother, father, sibling, whatever, when they fail in that specific role, you have to bring them back 
to the universal role, right? So the same thing applies in marriage. With my, when my husband is, and he's not being the husband I think he should be, I'm not being the wife that he thinks I should be. When, when we can't connect well as husband and wife, we're still brother and sister in Christ. There's a bigger role. And some of us has to do, have to do that with our parents. And it's hard because you're like, I want you to be my mother. I want you to be my father. But if they're not capable, they don't have that in them, then we have to go up to the broader role, which is you're still my brother in Christ. Or maybe they're not a believer. Now, that's, them being an unbeliever is more important than them being a bad parent. Like, now I'm concerned about your soul. So I can't even expect you to have a good perspective on parenthood. Because I'm concerned about the well-being of your soul. And so when we, and it's difficult because we're children. Uh, we're still children, even as an adult. And so to pull that back to try to ask the Lord, help me to see them as yours first. The image of you, the Imago day. They didn't wake up one day and say, how can I ruin my child's life? Like no parent is doing that. They're doing their best with their very limited resources and their whole jacked up background story. And yours might be a little better than theirs, but it's still a mess. And so it's. It's the, it is asking God to, even as a daughter, even as a son, my, that grief is real, that pain is real, but Lord, give me a spiritual perspective. So, because he may be calling you to intercede for your dad, and you can't intercede because you can't forgive. He's like, you can't even intercede for him. You're the one I want praying him into heaven, but you mad about, he left at seven. Okay, he left at seven. He was a mess. He don't know how to fix it. More, more important is the condition of his soul. And we can't get to the eternal if the earthly pain is driving everything. And so you have to find a way to back up and ask the Lord for a spiritual perspective to see that man first in the Imago day as a son of God, one that God would want in eternity. And then we deal with the father stuff. That's good. That's good. That's good, Jada. Um, I even wanted to just, because you mentioned just when the, when the father fails. And, and I can think about, about a time in which that I remember the first time yeah. my yeah. dad yeah. failed yes, me. Yes, we remember. And, but even when I remember that time in which that he failed me, I didn't know I had a wound until right. time passed on. Right. When I had to back up and realize, say, why, why, why am I feeling this way mm -hmm. towards my dad? Why mm -hmm. am I acting this way when I'm, when I'm in different settings? So how, how do we even first even identify that we have a father wound in the first place? Yeah, so I think asking the question, so here's the thing, because I didn't, I didn't want to just go off on long, long list. So here, here's the things that really ideally a father should do. When these are lacking in a healthy way, they'll never be perfect, but when they're lacking in a healthy way, you know there's a wound that needs to be addressed, okay? So a father is supposed to be affirmative. They're supposed to pastor and provide spiritual guidance. They're supposed to be a protector. They're supposed to keep your family safe. If your father had any kind of criminal background or brought danger to your family, you're going to have a wound yeah. because his role is to keep you safe. Not that your mama can't keep you safe, but mamas out there keeping families safe are tired. Right. They tired because that's not what God created them to do. Now, they doing it. They holding it down, but they tired, right? So that leads to a whole other set of issues. So if your safety was threatened, if you didn't feel provided for, you were wondering check to check, or he wasn't there, or he didn't send your mom money, or he was there, but he was spending all the money, or he didn't have a job, like any of that stuff, provision, um, pastoral covering, like he was not concerned for the spiritual well-being of the family. You're going to have a wound. Because even, even the father that was successful and maybe was killing it in the game and brought in six figures and y'all vacation and everything, you're going to hit a point in your life where you were like, but we didn't go to church. Right. But we didn't pray. Like, there's a spiritual wound. Um, emotionally, did your father affirm you, male or female? And it affects us differently. But it's so powerful in Matthew chapter 3, 
Matthew, Matthew chapter 3, right before Jesus goes into the to temptation in Matthew chapter 4, he comes on the scene, he's baptized, and here God says an unnecessary but important statement. He gets baptized and he says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Now, he, he didn't have to say he was pleased with Jesus because it was going to show him, it was going to show itself. But in that statement, I want y'all to think about this. In that statement is ownership. He's like, this is my son. Affirmation, I'm pleased with you. Like, if your father never told you he was pleased with you, that's a wound. Yeah. I don't care how nice he was. I don't care if he was a deacon. If he never affirmed you, and listen, it wasn't in private. The heavens parted. A dove came. John, the, somebody else saw it. You see what I'm saying? So God shows us over and over again, like, I'm trying to redeem. So here's the thing. When my father says he's pleased with me, I can go into the wilderness. I can go deal with temptation. If we never had that, the whole world is a big wilderness, and we're trying to figure it out on our own. And then we out there wilding out in high school and college and all this stuff because we didn't have this anchor where we had this voice in our head that said, I'm well pleased with you. And so it, it creates a gap. And so... If you have any of those things, if you didn't feel pastored, and I'm not talking about perfection, y'all, because my dad, listen, he a little bit ratchet, but <laughs> he was like, bring a dude over here. Like, I brought dudes over there, and he was there, and he didn't let me date nobody, but he was the dude that answered the door cleaning his gun. Like, he was that guy. And so, <laughs> and had a Bible and his weapon. He was like, try me. So, he was there, and he was protective and all that stuff. Um, he was somewhat pastoral, more than what he knew, made sure we were in church. We prayed together, you know, pretty regularly as a family. But, like, emotionally, that was my mom, which it is for most people, right? So um, what happened was I developed a lot of male friendships because I was looking for a male that could connect with me emotionally because my dad didn't do that. And so then I was the tomboy. I was, like, an athlete, so all my, a lot of my friends were guys. They don't go well in marriage, okay? Let me just give you a heads up on that. And so um, it, it doesn't matter how great or how bad it is. Those things, the lack of those things, okay, affirmation, guidance, pastoring, provision, protection, all those things, if it was missing or your mom was trying to do both, there's going to be a wound. Right. It's going to be a wound every single time. How do you fill in that gap, though? Because you went through this long list of everything that I didn't get going up. <laughs> so now I'm like, I'm like I need above, therapy. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so how do you fill in the gap when your father, and my dad, he's an atheist, so I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. we shot there. So yeah. how do you find that person to fill in the gap of all of those things we're missing? So I think filling in that gap starts at the top, right? And that's with God the Father. There is, if you, this is going to sound so cliche, so, but man, if you don't first genuine, genuinely believe that God is the only perfect protector, that God is the only perfect provider, that God always keeps me safe. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty, that God is always going before me, that he's my rear guard, that he's, my, he's in front of me, he, he's always covering me, that God guides me, that his Holy Spirit says, listen, I've got you, that his son told me, don't be troubled, don't let your heart be afraid, I'm leaving something better than you, like, that God really has me, that he, that he believes in me, right, he who began a good work in you, like, God is working on me, he believes in me, he affirms me, he's pleased with me, that don't mean I don't disappoint him, but if I don't first find that in God, any mentor, spiritual covering, and they are set up to fail because you're putting them in the God spot. The God spot got to be filled by God. It's got to be filled by God. So it don't matter how great your uncle is. You got five spiritual coverings. You got 10 big brothers. It's great. If, if they're trying to fill the God spot, 
you're going to be in the father wound in a cycle, getting hurt by new people over and over again. They cannot do it. And so there has to be an inward work that really says, God, in the healing, first of all, only God can heal the wound. He, he's the bomb, right? right. He's, the, he's the solution. Right. And he's, he's the answer for the wound, and he's the answer for the original idea of fatherhood anyway. So even if you had a pretty decent father, you ask the Lord to show you those wounds, and God, come fill that gap. Because only in that can I be set up for something healthy. Listen, you can't have a healthy marriage. You cannot have healthy male friendships. All your male friendships are going to be slanted. If you two guys, I don't care if you're two guys, y'all are friends, it's going to be slanted because one of them is like, there's going to be this father thing going on and you can't tell what's going on. You're not going to be a good employee. You can't work for nobody when you haven't been fathered. You can't have good male-female friendships. You can't have good marriage. Let me tell you something. The father role is so foundational. It alters every aspect of life. Half of us are not good in our workplaces because we've not been fathered. So we don't understand that discipline can be love. We don't understand that feedback doesn't mean that the relationship is ruined. We don't understand that if somebody didn't speak to you that they don't mean they're mad at you. We don't understand how healthy men think. And so everything they do that don't affirm us and applaud us makes us want to quit. So it affects everything. Do y'all see what I'm saying? This thing, and just because you survive it and getting through don't mean you're not wounded. People come back from battle all the time, living their life, fully clothed, and you don't know the wounds they have underneath them. You don't know till they go swimming that a leg's been amputated. You don't know to just because you live in every day does not mean that you're not wounded. Mm. So you have to deal with that because the enemy is waiting, <laughs> waiting to lure you into some pseudo sense of fatherhood, mm. some craziness that's going to make you have, spend ridiculous energy trying to feel a need that only God can feel. Mm-hmm. And so it is... It, I wish it was overnight, but it's not. But I think the awareness that God really is a good father, yeah. not just in a crisis, like every day he's a good father. Um, my own dad, I mean, he's, he's living, he loved my kids, he's great granddad. God is still my perfect good father. And, and you need that because even, with, even if you had a great dad or a good relationship or y'all reconcile, they're going to do things that require a level of forgiveness that only a whole person can give. See, only a whole person can give that kind of forgiveness. Because yeah. the, the person that's not whole and not complete is still waiting on you to pay back. They're still waiting on you to fix that slice. Something's missing in me. You need to fix it. Yeah. If you don't let God fix that, you don't have no forgiveness to offer. Because everything is going to be tainted with really a slice of you owe me. You can't do it. You cannot do it. And so the wholeness in God is not a quick pursuit, but it is a worthy pursuit. And it will alter the way you see everything. It really will. That's good. So you talked about the, the, the wholeness pursuit, right? Mm-hmm. And even, even before we even get to the point to where, okay, now I have this wound. And now I realize that it is starting to affect the things in my life. Mm-hmm. How, how do we then, before we even get to the point where we start talking about how do I, how do I forgive my father? Mm-hmm. How do I move in a, in a place to where I, I now become whole again yeah. before I could even get to the point where I need to forgive my dad? And that's just, I think that's almost similar to many other spiritual struggles we have. You know, you're struggling with purity. Okay, what do I do? What, how do I take in God's truth? And so identifying the wound is hard. Because sometimes somebody just says, Dad, you're like, you don't even know what it is. You're just like, I can't even. Because life is busy. I got too much to do to be trying to think about that. Identifying the wound sometimes is the hardest work. 
Because once you do that, then you can start to go to God's word for truth that counters that lie, right? Oh, my father abandoned me. I will never leave you or forsake you, right? So, like, you need, my father never believed in me. You know, I, God believes in me. God affirms me. He called me. He formed me. Fearfully and wonderfully made. He formed me in my mother's womb. God knows me, right? So, there is this, it, I have to know the lie. I have to know the pain that God's truth can be a medicine for. Um, God's truth is good. Like it can, it can be a bandaid, like a soothing kind of thing, but it can really do work when I take the time to identify the, what really hurts. Cause sometimes you, it just gets lumped up into me and my dad don't have a good relationship and you got to figure out what that thing is. I did not feel safe with my dad. I did not feel like my dad provided for us. I did not feel like my dad loved my mom. I did not feel like I was first with my dad. Like, figure that thing out. Because whatever that thing is, the Lord has a counter for that. He got a counter truth for that. And say, okay, they may have been where he failed, but let me tell you about me. Let me tell you how I roll, right? You're first to me. You're, you are the reason I sent my son to die. My dad never sacrificed for our family. Let me show you the cross. Let me show you what I did for yeah. you. I, not, I didn't just sacrifice for you. I sacrificed my son for you yeah. to be adopted. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let, me, let me tell you, I, I felt alone. I never felt like somebody had my back. Romans 8 says we sit at the table with Jesus. We are co-heirs. Yeah. And the spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Yeah. Right? Like, somebody is like, you know you belong at the table. And so... Whatever it was, like a, a family wound or just feeling like you didn't belong, God has an answer for that. But it is most valuable when you do the work of figuring out what that, that real hurt is because then that truth can come, come in so quickly yeah. and be a healing. That's so yeah. good. We have people texting in to the number that's on the oh, screen. Cool. So if you have questions, make sure that you text. But I have one that came in that says, seeing our father get right with God would be wonderful. But is that supposed to heal the rejection, abandonment, low self-esteem that comes from parental trauma? No, only God, only God does that. Because listen, I, I know people who um, have had a parent, you know, struggle with addiction or they've been estranged for years and, you know, they get back together, they reunite after 20 years. That does not undo years yeah. one through 20. That's still a pain, which is why the wholeness has to come in God. Because if I am holding out for this reconciliation or, or this person to come to the Lord, and I think that that thing is going to undo what's already happened, I'm going to be right back in the same place. God is saying, remember when I had forgave you, like for all your sin? Remember how I did not count everything up until that forgiveness against you? Yeah. Remember how I didn't count none of that? When you forgive from a whole place, we don't have to go back to when I was three when I was five. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't ever share your emotions, but it cannot be in a, in a demanding way that requires that other person to do something with those emotions that they are not equipped to do. And so the praying for their soul and asking the Lord to heal you is the only thing that's going to keep you sane. Because even if they start to turn a new leaf, or you, some of us have parents who are a roller coaster. They got good seasons, good months, good months, and then they fall back off, and you're like, here we go again. And if you are not whole and anchored in God, you'll get on the roller coaster. And you're like, I've been disappointed again, again, yeah. again. Only God, God is the ground, right? So you just sitting up there looking at the roller coaster, like when they come back down, <laughs> I'll be all right. But I know as soon as they come back down, they're going back up again. Right. Help them, Lord. You know, right. let's see if they come down in time for Father's Day. All right. Never. Yeah. We'll try 2024. <laughs> all right, Lord. Like, you start to have a, a healthy disconnect. 
the unhealthy disconnect is I don't fool with them. I can't talk to them. We can't be friends on social media. I'm not coming to no family things. You can't come. Like, that's the unhealthy, right? I cannot be around this person. They have too much power over my emotions. The healthy disconnect says, I can see you. I can know that I was hurt by you, but not be defined by that hurt. I'm defined by my healing, not that hurt. I'm not in denial. I know it happened, but it does not define me, right? I tell this story when I was four years old. I have no business on a 10-speed bike, but I was that girl <laughs> on a 10-speed bike. Talk about, just get me going. Just push me, and I'll go. Can Feet can't that. reach the pedals. You, don't that sound like right? So, of course, I had a crash, and this was old-school bikes that had the spikes in the pedals. I crashed. The bike is stuck in my shin. I still have the scar today. I'm dragging the bike to my mama's house because I was just right. Right, my pain tolerance. So I'm like, oh, I'm trying to get this out of my leg. Oh, my Lord. My grandmother, my mother was there trying to clean this wound, and it took weeks to heal. Because back then, we ain't had nothing but camp over, Nick. You know, you just pouring whatever <laughs> on the... Right. <laughs> Pfizer Durham. It was just Q-tip, scrubbing it out, about to die. And it took weeks to heal, right? And it hurt for a long time, and then it scabbed over, like, the things that wounds do. And it's, it's an interesting story, because I, re- I do remember that pain. <laughs> Like, I don't, I didn't forget the story of falling on the bike. I didn't forget the story of what it meant to have that wound cleaned out all the time. I can still see the scar, and I was four years old, but it don't hurt. When I walk and get up and get dressed every morning, I'm like, dang, that time I fell off my bike. I'm not thinking about, when somebody rides their bike, I'm not triggered. I'm not thinking about when I fell off my bike at four. Like, we have to be talking about that for me to recount that story. So it's not erased from my past, but it's also not front and center in my existence. It's not definitive of me. And that's when you have healthy disconnection. I am most connected in God, so I can love you freely. I can love you on your good day and on your bad day. Oh my God, that sounds like Jesus. What in the world? I can love you on your highs and on your lows. I can love you, forgive, if you don't. I can love you when you apologize. I can love you when you get it right. I can love you when you get it wrong, when you mess up. I see you as a child of God first and then as my parent. And I'm able to process that because I have a wholeness in God that no perfect parent can ever give you anyway. So it's a whole whole process. It really is. So so we've, we've moved towards wholeness. And trying. trying to, trying to, <laughs> trying to, is my God, it is a process. And so we're working towards wholeness. And let's say that our dad is, is, is present in our life. He's around in our lives. Mm-hmm. How do we now have that conversation with them? Mm-hmm. With, hey, dad, this, I remember when this happened back in my past. It's been affecting me. But how do we have the courage to have that conversation with our fathers? So, so here's the thing. And y'all not, okay, I love y'all. So if, I don't, if y'all don't like this answer, just it's because I love y'all. Here's the unpopular answer. When you have been offended and deeply hurt like that, if you are not waiting for the teachable moment on their terms, you are setting yourself up to be hurt again. Until they are ready to talk about how they have hurt you, you're going to spend your energy trying to convince them of how bad they hurt you. And remember when? And do you know how this is affecting my life? And do you? And they have no idea. Like it's like talking to an unbeliever, a person who's not ready to surrender to Jesus, and you telling them over and over again, God can change your life. Oh my gosh, look what God has done. And they like that's cool. They're not coming until they're ready. Yeah. And so you're gonna spend a lot of energy and create a lot of frustration if you are not willing to wait until the person that hurts you is ready to have that conversation. Yeah. And, and that is not 
that is just not a popular answer because most of the time people are like, I'm ready to talk about it, let's talk about it. Right. But where does that get us ever when the person is not ready to have the conversation? Do I really want to connect deeply and share my pain with this person or do I want to get something off my chest? Yeah. If you want to get it off your chest, then get it off your chest. But set a low expectation, set a low bar. If they're not ready to talk about it, they're not going to talk about it. Yeah. And matter of fact, once you open up yourself and get all vulnerable, they're going to say something inappropriate. Exactly. They're going to say something more hurtful because exactly. they're not ready to talk about it. And you're going to be more pissed off. Right. I can't even believe I shared my with you and you said that. Well, they're not ready to talk about it. And so you, as the whole person in Christ, you're not itching to talk about it. You're like, I'm good if we never talk about it. Because me and God, we, we got this thing worked out. I'm healed and whole. We, we, if you act like this never happened, we might not be yeah. best friends, but I don't have no hate. But when you're ready to talk about it, let's talk about it. And here's the thing. When they're ready and they initiate, you're not coming in hot. Right. You're just like, oh, I mean, yeah. It was, that was, yeah, life was hard. And you can tell the truth and be like, I was angry for 10 years. I had five bad boyfriends. I had three bad girlfriends or whatever. And you can be honest, but it's not like, this hot emotional conversation because I don't need anything from you. Mm -hmm. If they say, oh, oh well, I'm like, oh well. well <laughs> I was good before I told you. Right. I'm still good, I'm yeah. the same good. But if you're waiting and you, you're not in that teachable moment, I'm telling you, you're gonna be waiting on them to say some life-changing apology. Yeah. You want them to have some epiphany about what they've done and they don't have it. Mm -hmm. And you're just gonna be hurt and mad and angry. Yeah. And then, by the way, don't think that we're godly enough to separate that hurt from how we treat God. Then we're going to be mad at God. God, I've been growing. I've been coming to church. Yeah. I'm trying to be right. And then you're not going to let this man That's come it. and understand my pain. That's you're not going to let him apologize to me. And now his failure, you, you projecting it to God like right. God failed. And God was like, I ain't tell you go talk to him. <laughs> I told you, me and you were going to work it out. But every time we yes. give someone an opportunity to fail, we are now charging it to our relationship with the Lord. Nobody is hurt but us. We are the ones that now are creating more and more distance with yeah. God. So he's like, do you want to wait and be close to me or take a chance and to prove your point and you're going to create distance from me? Because that distance is going to translate to this distance. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to be alone mm -hmm. again. Yeah. Or you could just wait. <laughs> you oh can just God. wait. It's, it's hard. And it's it really for any kind of conflict. Because we love to get stuff off our mind and, you know, get it off our chest and say what we need to say or send the random passive aggressive text or don't talk to people and just all the craziness. Like, man, listen, deal with that with the Lord first. Mm -hmm. And then at the right moment, it's going to carry more weight anyway. Yeah. I had a friend who literally 25 years had not seen her father. He was a mess, addicted, came out of addiction, was trying to get his life right. He was trying to reach out to her. Well, then he got very ill. And so she needed to go see him. He's about to die. And so we spent a month trying to pray and get her mind right. She was in a good place because she hadn't talked to him in so long. She went praying, trying to get her mind right so that she doesn't go into that situation while he's on his deathbed, expecting him to drop yeah. some fatherly, oh, my gosh, I've looked back over my life and made these mistakes. I said, girl, don't do it because you're going to go, you're going to leave angry and he's going to be in the grave. Right. You better go in there oh not needing anything from him. Go in there asking God to keep his story fresh on your mind. Because most of the time we, we can't really love our parents the way we need to until we're old enough to know their story. Because they're people. Yeah. 
They're people like us. And so when your parents have hurt you deeply, and then you start thinking about they jacked up parents, you start thinking about, you know what? My life was a negative 10, but theirs was negative 28. And so they thought they were really doing good because they had never seen what they gave me. It still wasn't enough for me, but dang, Lord, let me, let me assess where they started and not where they ended. Let me, let me look at the gap from their own growth and not just from the deficit that I need. Only God can meet that anyway. So she walked into that situation thinking about the abuse he had suffered at the hands of his father, what his home life was like. In the end, guess what? His absence in her life was better than his father's presence in his life. Mm, 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 mm. That's how jacked up his story was. Yeah. And if you don't have a spiritual perspective, you can't see that. Yeah. Your pain is the most important thing ever. Yeah. And so she was able to walk in that situation, and he never gave a big apology. But he was just like, I love you, and I have always loved you. Mm. I mean, for her, that was just gravy. But it wasn't like, oh, I needed that before he died. Yeah. She, was, she really was good because she had dealt with that pain. She was able to really love him and serve him those last few weeks of his life without being bitter, without demanding him to, to be a debtor to her, without a transactional relationship, giving him five weeks of being a father. Yeah. It, was, it was a blessing to him yeah. to be able to make himself feel like he was a good father for five weeks. And he told her that. He said, you made me feel like a father. Yeah these last few weeks and so I mean you got to be in a healthy place to to not only not be bitter but the to gift the person that hurts you with the thing they probably have always wanted anyway they just didn't know I do you know what I'm saying so it's a whole it's a whole thing y'all I'm telling you good so I have a single mother who put a question in the chat Mm -hmm. and because of life circumstances the child's father is no longer in the life so as the mother who wants their child to be whole what do you do Mm. when the father is not there yeah so I think um really I don't know how old the child is but for for single mothers you have a unique opportunity to create a relationship um, between your child and God, like a really unique opportunity to to remind them that God has not forgotten them, God does not forsake them, that he's El Roi, he's the one who sees, right, that he's omnipresent, he's always there, Psalm 139, where can I go, where can I flee your presence? Ne- nowhere. If I descend into the depths of hell or to the heights of heaven, you are there. You know my thoughts before they're formed on my tongue. You're intimately acquainted with all my ways. You've made me fearfully and wonderfully. Like that God God is their God. And sometimes it's in the deficit that we get to see God more clearly. Mm-hmm. All of us know that we see God more clearly in the valley than we do on the mountain. Yeah. Because when we need a job or when we need something, yeah. prayer life is on point. Yeah. Circling the building, got a new journal, downloading apps, yeah. Bible reading plan, yeah. Yeah. reading Leviticus, reading Chronicles, yeah. talking to folks, fasting, <laughs> giving up carbs. We're doing all the things because we're trying to hear from the Lord. Right. But let us get a promotion. Thank you, Lord. We're going to post it. Be like, look at God. God be blessing. And we're going to keep it moving. Right. Be up in that valley. Y'all going to be up here every Monday, Sunday, Wednesday, serving in children's, going to Prosper, going yep. to Garland. Let yep. me hit yep. every campus yep. Yep. and watch online. <laughs> like, because that's just what it is. So, you know, the deficit is not always something to be avoided. Some, there, is, there is a beauty in that, that in whatever you have in the limitation is a privilege to see God differently, right? And so my kids, both of my children are adopted. And my son, we talk about it more. He started, we started talking about when he was five or six. My daughter is less relational. So she was like, so I wasn't in your tummy? I was like, mm-mm, oh, okay. 
And she was like, yeah, uh, cereal, please. Like, that's her. Um, my son was like, tell me about my story, which is normal. It's a normal reaction. And so we were talking about it, and we started talking about it over the years. And I was like, this is it's so special. We chose you and, like, this whole thing with this story. As opposed to avoiding this conversation, like, I'm like, I'm going to let you know right now. You're not going to see no pictures of mommy and you in my tummy. That's not your story. Yeah. But we chose you. But then, about two years ago, when we started doing our Advent cards and going through our cards leading up to Christmas, the birth of Christ, and the first scripture was we're adopted as sons, my son was like, oh, that's me. I said, that is you. Is. And all of us are adopted, but a true adopted person yes. sees that differently, right? Yes. So in the deficit, I was able to show him something different about God. And so even if you're a single mom, I just want to encourage you. God is not going to set you or your child up to know him any less. He may set y'all up to know him more. And so honestly, beginning to pray and speak God's fathership over that child so that as you know, other healthy men that he's exposed to in church or she's exposed to in church, that they can be appreciated, but they are under the umbrella of God's fathership. Mm -hmm. that, that that child knows that God is a good father and that yeah. even when earthly fathers fail, God does not. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's ever too early to start praying that and speaking that over, over your child as a single mom. Yeah. I think even kind of one question too, because I think probably one thing I even wrestled with just as a young man, even having a father that failed mm -hmm. was the lie that I'm going to be just like my dad. Yeah. Mm. And so yeah. how, yes. how do even we, even as, as young men, even young women that, that have not had the best earthly father, how do we counteract that lie of, hey, I'm just going to be exactly just like what I've seen? Yeah, I think we have to know that God is a God of generational restoration and mm. refreshment. Yeah. So he is a God in the business of breaking generational cycles. Mm -hmm. um, and everything's not a curse. Some things are just cycles. They just happen over and over again. But God is in the business of restoring it. That's why that scripture in Malachi says, when my prophet comes, I'm going to return the hearts of the fathers to their children. Not specific fathers and children, but the generation of fathers and children. And so you have this, this idea that God is very much in the business of equipping us to be different and to be whole, even in places where our fathers were fractured or broken. And yeah, it's a real fear. Some things are going to be tendencies. You know, we're human. But if you are identifying where that might be, your eyes are aware. You're very aware. You're like, this is my tendency. I know this might happen. I need, I need to put guards in place. What is God's truth? Who is my community? And th that happens even if you've got dad at home. Yep, you know, yep. you pick up their bad habits. And so um, you have to understand that, that God is not about copy and paste, right? This is the God that says, I will refresh. I make all things new. I give you new song. If any man is Christ, he's a new creation. Like newness and redemption and, and creation is very much a part of who God has made us to be. And so, you know, we cannot let the, the enemy and our own fear and our flesh make us think there's no way to break out of bondage because Jesus came so that bonds could be broken. Paul says in Galatians 5, it is for freedom that you've been set free. Yeah. You don't have to be bound to a yoke of slavery. You have a new management. You're under new ownership. And so even when, when some of those old tendencies start to creep in, you got to identify that and in the name of Jesus know that you're empowered to be different and know that you're empowered to live differently. And prayer, I'm telling y'all, prayer, I pray after prayer with my kids. We need to pray with our kids anyway, but I pray with my kids all the time because I don't know the histories of their biological right. parents. I don't know what what, what, what we're dealing with, what we're, content, what we're contending with. And so I have to pray over, over that stuff all the time. I'm like, okay, God, we need to break whatever bonds, whatever uh, chains may be there that I don't know about. 
How do we start to set them free from mentalities or things that they've inherited in their DNA? You know, trauma is inherited in your DNA. Like those physical experiences, they get carried on. And so, you know, the power of prayer is really strong. And then surrounding yourself with people who are on a healthy path is important because I don't think you can live... Uh, you can't live as a Christian and let alone you're trying to break generational cycles on your own. Right. You got to be with people who are like, yeah, I got you. I'm going to help that because everything is not going to be addiction or, you know, something darker. Some of it may be you just grew up with a dad who maybe gambled or all he did was work five jobs. And because he was obsessed with money. You, you could have you could have grown up with a dad who's like, I'm performance based. You're only good to me if you make straight A's and get a great job and go to college and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so then you're in a bondage of performance. Right. And nobody's going nobody's gonna to be like, that's a sin. They're going to be like, go, get yours. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the Holy Spirit is the one that's got to show you that's a yeah. sin. Mm-hmm. Like, who are you trying to impress? Mm-hmm. Because I paid for your death when you didn't deserve it. So yeah. who are you trying to impress? Yeah. Because I gave you grace when you could not earn it. Right? Yeah. I gave you favor when you did not deserve it. I still gave you purpose when you were walking the other way who are you trying to impress so that's a sin and so it's not always the obvious addiction or abandonment those kind of things sometimes it's the subtle sin of the flesh let me tell you something in genesis 3 when adam wasn't there Mm -hmm. that was not just about husbands and wives Mm -hmm. that was about fathers and mothers Mm -hmm. and so you saw adam adam had kids y'all so they're inheriting passivity Mm -hmm. they're inheriting a, a man who was present but didn't speak up. Oh, and he, Adam, Adam and Eve didn't have no excuse. They didn't have no baggage from no parents. Right. Yeah. Came straight out, per- perfect, and messed it up in 12 minutes like we all would have. <laughs> <laughs> like everything can't be your parents' fault. So some things really are like this is who we are as sinful people. Mm. And the things I may inherit may not always be obvious. It could be passivity. I just, I hate conflict. I don't want to take charge as a spiritual leader. I don't, whatever the case may be, like you have to be like, God, pull back the curtain so I can see what that thing is, speak truth into it, and then get myself around some community. Because let me tell you something, the enemy wants you to be afraid yeah. of repeating that pattern. And here's what's going to happen. Yeah. Y'all got to be worked up. Listen, <laughs> if you spend all your energy yeah. trying not to be your dad, That's going to be like two or three things you try not to do. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be 982 things that you let slide because you're so worried. And then we will congratulate ourselves and say, at least I stayed married. At least I stayed, I had a job. At least I didn't struggle with addiction. Okay, but also at least you did not do 18 other things that the Lord said. So he said the standard is not trying to be better than your dad. Mm. The standard is trying to be like me. And when you try to be like me, it will cover everything your dad didn't do. Because it will just lead us on a path, and we'll be thinking we're killing it because we did better than our, than yeah. our parents. And yeah. God's like, that is not the standard. Right, right. You can be so obsessed with not doing what they did yeah. that you also don't do what God's asked you to do. Because right. oh. you're so worried about not being. He's like, the goal of the Christian life is to not try to not be like somebody. Yeah. It's to try to be like me. Right. And, and the enemy wants you busy over here, mm-hmm. making sure that you just don't be your dad. Mm-hmm. Man, that is not God. Yeah. That's the enemy. Yeah. He's trying to distract you. Yeah. From a goal that God has never intended for you. Nobody is called in this life to be better than their parents. That's not a purpose. Mm. Nobody's called to be better than Mm. their mom or their dad. That's not a calling. Mm. In your womb, God wouldn't like just be better than your father. (laughs) That's not what he called you to do. And we take on that pain as a calling. Like my whole job is to be better than this person. And God is like, that's a low bar, sis. Mm. That's a low bar, bro. You're going to stand before me and so much will be undone. Because of these one or two things you focused on. 
And so you just, we can't let that be our standard. Thank you so much for the wisdom, the nuggets. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure leave a comment, leave a review, share, subscribe, all the things, and we'll catch you next time.